everyone. Welcome to Security Confidential, the Dark Rhino Security Podcast. And this week, we are doing something very different. Uh, normally, you guys are used to listening about firewalls and technical topics and how to make companies more secure. But we think we're going to help you guys out even more because this topic is about resilience, which is to all of us in cybersecurity is very near and dear to our hearts. And we are honored to have Karen Huff with us today. Uh, she is going to help us and walk us through how to build resilience, adapt to obstacles, and thrive. You know, Karen is the founder and CEO of Improv Edge, which creates business training with an improv twist and is in the top 1% of women-owned businesses in the U.S. She is a number one Amazon best-selling author, recipient of the Silver Stevie Award for Most Innovative Business of the Year, and won both the WNBA Inspiring Women Award and the WBENC Pitch Pivot Grand Prize. She is a philanthropist, a Yale grad, avid hiker, and lives in Ohio with her husband and three children. Her books include The Improvisation Edge, Secrets to Building Trust and Radical Collaboration at Work, Be the Best Bat Presenter Ever, Break the Rules, Make Mistakes, and Win Them Over, and Go With It, Embrace the Unexpected to Drive Change. She is also the creator of the Yes Deck, a deck of cards packed with business tips. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Uh, thank you, Manoj. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Well, it's an honor to have you here. We didn't want to do the same old. And, and you know, really in this, in this climate, there's so much uncertainty. And resilience is something that is very necessary to survive and thrive. And, and you know, as cybersecurity practitioners, we very much evangelize resilience. That's what we're selling to companies, you know, in a different right. context. But uh, for them to be resilient in an adverse circumstance. And I think that applies to us in our personal lives as well. And uh, how now you are great with improv. You have a unique approach to helping us all become a lot more resilient and be better people, uh, be and in my case, you know, the bad presenter part, I think, applies uh, extensively to me. So oh, I, I'm no, going to no. try and be the best bad presenter in this uh, uh, broadcast. But, you know, introduce us a little bit to this topic. Sure, sure. I, I know it can seem really unusual to a lot of people who haven't thought about improv in the context of business before. So the, the way that I came to this, which is kind of weird and unusual, but I think a lot of entrepreneurial stories are this way, is that I I uh, was a performer from the time I was five. Manoj, right. And uh, I learned to do improv at Yale as an undergrad, and it changed what I thought of performance. It completely changed how I perceived performance. It, it changed how I behaved toward my friends and my family. So I went straight to Chicago. I was very fortunate. I got into the second city. I trained. I performed there. Um, I went on and started my own improv troops. I did Shakespeare and TV and film and modeling. And I mean, you name it. I was wow. out there doing it. I had a fantastic career. Yeah. I mean, I had a good agent. Right. Let's, wow, that's let's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was an amazing life. And there's these moments. Uh, the, the first and foundational principle of improv is yes. And the idea that you're going to accept what's in front of you, no matter what it is. So I'm you know, I got married. I'm living in New York, having a great career. And I'm at a party and somebody goes, you should come join our tech company and run the sales team. And, yes. and I'm like, you're drunk. 
I'm an actor. I have know nothing about this. You're crazy. And, you know, I figured they would forget it. But they called me the next day and said, no, really, we want to talk to you. And so I literally dropped acting one day and I went into tech, which was network engineering. Now, I was taking networking classes every night and engineering courses, but I was improvising during the day. And I found that these abilities to to bounce back from when I messed stuff up completely or when I didn't know what to do, I, I could show up in a way that showed confidence and I kept getting promoted. So I ended up having a great career in tech. I absolutely loved it. That first company went public. Um, I then joined another startup that was acquired. So it was a very intense, wonderful kind of education. And so then I was like, there is something about this. Wharton Business School agreed to be our research partner. And so we looked at what is the neuroscience and psychology behind using improv capabilities for professionals. And, and that research project has now grown into this incredible business. I'm so lucky. And these ideas have made such a difference for the professionals that we work with, right? So they have a new analogy, a new way to think of themselves. So if all of us were able to say, hey, I'm an improviser too, because, so let me, you know, you were saying, hey, I don't get this, Karen. You know, we were chatting beforehand, right? Right. And uh, so, so let me ask you this question. And I think everybody on the podcast can ask themselves this question. Okay. If, if you wake up in the morning, you probably have a pretty good idea of what your agenda is supposed to be like, right? You know yeah. your schedule for the most part, right? To a degree. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I would say that's 40% true. 60% of my day, I don't know what's going to walk through the door. But that's exactly. entrepreneurship. I, I, we just, that's the stage of development we're at, but that's our story, right? That's absolutely. So, so you're, you're an entrepreneur, so you know, some stuff isn't going to be going the way that you think it will, or something could walk through the door as you say. So what do you do in that moment where something changes, your expectations completely are thrown sideways and something new happens? What do you do, Manoj? Improvise. Boom. Exactly. You I have no choice. <laughs> I don't exactly. have a choice in the matter. Right. I, in fact, I was, uh, you know, talking with uh, one of our team members and, you know, they were all, you know, there's there's a perception that you have to have all the information about something to make a good decision. And in the world in which I live, I live in a world of gray. Rarely do I have enough information to make a black and white decision. So in that gray area, I have no choice but at that point to improvise. Right, right. And you, Based you come on what up with I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. We only know what, the information that we have. So improvisers walk on stage with no script, no props, no costumes, none of the normal tools of theater. And we literally have to make a show up in the moment with a live audience in front of us for two hours. Right. Now, and that's that, probably what it feels like a lot of your days. It, it does. It, it does. Yeah. On some days, it absolutely does. Yeah. And I think you had, but that is um, a situation that also th then lends itself to you being comfortable with making the wrong choices or uh, making a mistake. And I think that fear of failure is so large. That it mm -hmm. holds back a lot of people and improvisation is inherently about you have to overcome that fear. You have to be comfortable with it. And that is a very difficult thing to do. I don't know if there's any like what the brain science behind that is, but 
you are deliberately asking people to get out of their comfort zones. I am. They are. I am. I've made a business on it. Yeah, of pushing people outside their comfort zones. There's, um, it's interesting you bring up this this topic because there's a concept in improv called Oops to Eureka. And it's the idea really? that, yeah, exactly. And and we've even trademarked it with Wharton. And, and what it says is that you don't know what's going to happen next. Sometimes you make a mistake. Sometimes something goes wrong. Sometimes the complete unexpected walks to the door, as you mentioned. And the concept of getting from oops, that horrible gut-wrenching moment of, oh my gosh, this is not what it should be, or I made a mistake, is how you choose to respond. So how do you choose to make that into Eureka? And for improvisers, we have a lot of tips and tricks. One of them is in the moment where you want to scream or run or hide or, or do something, we pause and we look around, we gauge everyone else, we take a huge breath, oxygen is really key to getting through tough times. And then we either ask a question or we deal with it or we do something that is action-based. But the key is to pause first, like don't jump in right away if you are gut-wrenchingly upset or worried. You know what? That is a very good tip because, you know, one of the things that uh, we that I often hear is, you know, the, the old adage about the glass being half full or half empty. I'm always mm -hmm. like, well, it may not matter. It depends what's in the glass to begin with. Right. <laughs> I mean, do, do we care if it's half full or half empty? But, you know, the point of that is that there you have to be objective about that particular situation right and how do you avoid not reacting because as humans there is going to be that gut-wrenching visceral response maybe to a situation that was completely unplanned you hadn't thought about and you're thrown into the middle of it and your whole day has gone sideways for some reason and now this one thing happened and how do you pause and take that deep breath before you just say something that you, in the worst case, regret, or you know, in the best of circumstance, it's just the wrong decision because you made it at the spur of the moment in an emotional state that you should have never done? Well, well, yeah, and and learning that lesson the hard way is what many of us had to do, where we either push the send button on that email we shouldn't have, or or we said what we shouldn't have. So. So you actually said exactly the thing you need to do, which by the way, it's amazing. It's it's a part of an actor's entire lexicon and so many professionals don't use it and that is to breathe. So there is wonderful research around the effect of breath. Um, Dr. Andrew Weil at the Center for Integrative Medicine has some fantastic techniques. And I would say what happens is that it's called amygdala hijack. Have you heard about this? So, I have. Well, not in this context, but I can understand the concept. Being a longtime yoga practitioner, you know, getting oh, into uh, oh. breathing exercises are fundamental. Is that, so that is so yeah. cool. And by the way, I love yoga too. So that'll be a whole other conversation for us. Um, so the, the idea is that um, the moment that stress occurs, 
uh, hormones start to flow. And unfortunately, it's usually the stress hormone called cortisol. We've all heard of it. It's yep. linked to high blood pressure. It's linked to weight gain. It's linked to memory loss. And the cortisol is actually a good thing because way back in ancient times as we were evolving, cortisol made sure that if something scary was happening, it literally shut down our ability to think. So, you know, if you've got the, the classic saber-toothed tiger moment, you don't want right. to be standing there going, hmm, how big is the tiger? Will it yeah. pass or not? Should I perhaps call a friend? What should, you know, no, no, no. You want all of that intellect to go away and you want to run or scream or fight. Right. And, and so those impulses stay with us to this day. And we often don't know it's happening. We can't control it. And what's really tough about a time like this, we're literally in the most stressful ongoing situation the world has seen in centuries. And for example, I used to use the example of a merger, right? A couple of companies are going through a merger. It's incredibly stressful and scary. You don't know what's going to happen. And it goes on maybe for days and days and days right. where you're getting these hits of stress every day. It's not like you get that one big stress moment, you take care of it, and then you're done and you're fine. It's that people right. are undergoing stress. So every day their thinking brain is getting shut down a little bit. So people are always like during a merger or a crisis like a pandemic, they're like, why did that person yell at me? Or why don't they react the way they used to? Or why are they not getting their work done? Or why did that guy quit? These are all reactions that often we don't even know we're suffering from because that stress is shutting down our ability to behave and think in a meaningful way. One of the few things that can circumnavigate that or circumvent it, I should say, excuse me, is, is breath. Oxygen is the great leveler. Oxygen allows your body to regulate the flow of cortisol. It allows you to get your brain back on track and think. And it's just such irony when often we're in stressful situations like, like take a job interview. The moment when you wanna be most cool and most intellectual, your nerves are making your thinking brain shut down. So the fact that you have yoga and you know that practice and you know how to use your breath is a huge asset to you. What I would encourage you to do is find ways to use that during your day. So when we teach executives uh, really quick breathing exercises, you can lower your cortisol and get your head in the right place in literally like less than a minute and a half, two minutes. That, okay. That yeah. fast. That fast. Yeah. Um, before I walk, I used to do this in the car when I'd have to walk into negotiations live. Uh, I would do this breathing technique for a couple of minutes and it cuts out the white noise. It may be super focused and I did a great job. Please do tell. What's, okay. What's so it's, I mean, you can find any technique you like. You probably have some from yoga. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that some of the folks out there might practice Tai Chi or karate or meditation. Right. Just find one you like. The one that I use that I have actually had people come back, I've had executives come back and tell me, um, one, uh, actually CEO, she was on a plane, a woman was having a panic attack next to her and she used this to help her calm down. But it's four, seven, eight. It's again from Dr. Andrew Weil. You okay. breathe in for four. Okay. You hold your You hold your breath for seven. You breathe out for eight. Please do it sitting down <laughs> because people get lightheaded. Right, you want to breathe in, you hold it for a count of seven, you breathe out with a sound for eight. Okay. So even, even when we're back at the office, 
you can do that quietly and no one will even know. If you do four or five rounds of that, again, less than two minutes, I promise you, you'll feel a lot better. And for me, it just focuses me. That is very interesting and it's very true. You know, in uh, on the yoga side, we have a saying that, you know, the the mind calms the breath and then the breath masters the mind. So. Oh, that's beautiful. That's perfect. So it's interesting. So in, in improv, when you're on stage in front of everybody, we would understand that sometimes somebody would might be having a freak out moment. You just step back and you breathe while somebody else steps forward for you, which is the beauty of having a team, which is the beauty of having people you can lean on. So I think another big piece of resilience is knowing who your colleagues are, knowing who you can trust, building those relationships and keeping them strong. You know, and uh, a lot of our listeners are practicing cybersecurity professionals, and a lot of those folks are that they're really good, very bright, highly motivated individuals, but yeah. they are in a back room somewhere, right? And we, as a company, we always preach this. We say, you know, your number one cybersecurity asset is not your firewall, it's not your computers, it's not all the all the technology you've put in place. It's actually your people. And if you leverage your people and you train them properly, you're already 80% of the way there. Now the technology is going to become the icing on the cake and it'll enable a whole bunch of wonderful things. But the people have to be first. And now those folks who are on the backside of this, they are lost in a dark room somewhere, right? And it's a really introverted role. So getting them comfortable they don't go out and generally interact with their colleagues in in a larger corporation right they're they're behind a iron curtain or in a cube <laughs> somewhere or, or they're in a server room and they're doing what they do and they're the silent unsung heroes if you will uh, of the organization how do you get uh you know those folks comfortable with stepping out of that right i mean it's and becoming um, an actor on a stage, if you will. And, sure. and by that, I mean, you know, getting engaged with their larger teammates, the broader audience, the people that they don't see and having a conversation with them. And you know what? I think that can make all the difference when it comes to a, a, between a okay cybersecurity program and a fantastic, because if people understand the why, then they'll do it. You know, if it's logical, they'll do it. If they if they're like, why are you making me do this stuff? I don't understand it. They're like, hey, I don't want to do it. That's just a bad idea. The hell with it. You know, at that point. <laughs> I mean, you're you're hitting on so many things here, right? And 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 woo dark rhino because you have absolutely nailed it. That it is the people. It is always the people behind the machines that make that happen. Uh, right. So so I, I hear a couple things you're talking about here, right? First of all, having the confidence to, to get out there and, and be a bigger part of the organization and also how to feel really good about maybe shining a light on your role so more people understand it and being a, a consultant in that uh, I feel, I remember certainly in tech, uh, engineers would complain that, why are you bringing me in now? If you had talked to me when this project started, we would be saving money, we'd be saving time, the scope would be correct. So also being seen as a consultant, as part of the process, rather than, you know, that person you bring in late in the process. Am I 
Am I reading You're that right? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. spot on. Yeah. So there, there's there's sort of two different aspects here. The first, I would say, um, you and I were <laughs> laughing about be the best bad presenter ever. You know, a, a, a huge part. Yeah. <laughs> but but is it, but I meant bad like Michael Jackson bad. All right. So um, <laughs> the the thing is that that's not me. when I, I that, but that's different. Yeah. Story. Yeah. It could be. And. And when I wrote the book with my amazing publisher, Barrett Kohler, the, the idea was that I had found that I think a lot of people, uh, and again, it's not just presentations where you might be standing up in a room. One-on-one uh, -on -one meetings are a presentation. It, it, you can think about how you show up. You can think about how you deliver your message to make an impact. And I often find that more introverted people are some of the best communicators because they think about it in advance. They prepare, which, by the way, is a huge improv thing. We prepare endlessly. Uh, and they also are able to really understand how they come across. So as we were putting together that book, one of the things I also noticed is that I think there's a bunch of stupid rules out there that tell you to act like somebody else or be something that's not authentic to you. And it makes you feel very nervous and what you need to do is be yourself even if you mess up or if it's not exactly what you wanted if you show up and are yourself people will love it because you're bringing your most authentic expertise and your capability to the table and it just gives a few tips you know from the acting world about how to show up in a way that people can really take it in and enjoy it and understand it um you know it's funny because uh, you were talking about one of our little tips. Now that we're in this virtual world, people forget to sit up straight. And you know, by by Zoom conference number four, this is what yeah, we're doing. And you're, our... you're laying back, and yeah, and your voice is like this, and you're not breathing. So, right, one of our tricks: show them, Minoj. Oh like, yeah, I will. It's the pillow. I, mean, I, I was paying attention to your book. <laughs> said, hey, get a pillow, sit up straight, because your body language is your your body posture is going to have a huge impact on your outlook. Am I saying that correctly? I... Uh, completely. It not only changes how people perceive you, it changes how you feel. So, you know, if, if the book is great that we also have online like 13 or 14 two minute videos with ideas about how to sort of come across better on video, come across better in person, um, give you the confidence that you need to really show up in those situations. So that's one side. Um, and I guess then there's the being a consultant to the business, right? Okay. Yes. Right. Um, I, I sometimes when, uh, and by the way, the, the majority of the folks that we work with are engineers, attorneys, accountants, scientists. Uh, we don't work with marketing teams and things like that. We work with very, very introverted populations because what we're bringing to you are really usable tips. So for example, if, if you want to be out there more and getting to know people and building a better network, set goals that feel comfortable for you. You don't have to have coffee with somebody every day. But if you say once a week, I'm going to talk to someone that I don't normally get to talk to and learn about their area so that then they can learn about mine, you'll grow a bigger network. Maybe if you say, hey, once a month, I'm going to update someone up the chain on the progress that my team has made so they can feel proud of our work. What a great way to do that. That one is, I'm just going to pause you for a second because that is a sure. great <laughs> tip. And, you know, I, you know, when I was working for uh, a megacorp or megacorps in a past life, uh, there was always this hierarchical view of the organization. 
and I all you always watch a couple people that rise through the ranks more rapidly than other people, right? And and you're wondering, well, I'm a lot smarter than that person. I can do this better. I can do whatever. You know, there's always this a mental outlook that I, I should have been that guy or gal. And I think what prevented it was nothing other than yourself. And the lesson learned the hard way is you really should. And, and at Dark Rhino, we highly, we well, we're a small team, but we highly encourage constructive conflict. I guess that's maybe the only, the word I say. So we want to hear what people have to say. We want that update. Yeah. I want to know. Now, I know I worked in the Far East for a while, it was in Japan, uh, you know, Korea and, and, and places like that. Now, yeah. India, the this may not be a cultural fit. So if you're listening over there, <laughs> you know, you, you have to adapt to your own cultural uh, backdrop that is there. But at mm -hmm. least here in the United States, we really want people to voice up, right? Don't be in the shadows. If you see something, say something. If you know something, tell us about it. If you disagree with something, emphatically, bring it forward, you know? Don't just conform that this has to be this way. And I think a lot of magic can happen for one's career and and things in that way. And yes, there is a risk, uh, but I think relatively it's no bigger a risk than, I mean, what's worse, you know, being in one place and not uh, advancing and doing what you are capable of doing and, and fulfilling what you want to fulfill. Uh, versus the chance that somebody may not like something. Well, that's, I think that's a chance worth taking. That's me. <laughs> that's really inspiring. What, what is the Anais Nin quote uh, about the, the day came when it was more painful or it was, it was something about blooming first to, to remain in a bud, to remain tightly closed was more painful than the risk it took to bloom. That's right. That's right. That's right? exactly correct. And I think some of that, if you are, and you talked about preparation, some of those uh, folks are so well prepared. They know their subject matter. You know, I mean, people in a, uh, professionals know their subject matter. They know what yeah. they're talking about. Don't be afraid to to say it. <laughs> you know, come out. Don't be afraid and, to say it, right? And to 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 let others know that you're there as as an expert. And as someone that they can lean on, um, again, networking is often a word that's seen as such a horrible thing. It's it's fake. It's it's a big room full of people I don't want to talk to. But networking and growing your career can also be exactly what makes you comfortable and what works for you. So again, setting goals that feel feel good. Uh, you know, once a quarter now it's virtual. I'm going to attend a conference and meet a couple of new people. That's it. Or if you do, when, when we all come back together, if you are in a room, I mean, it's not about a stack of cards. It's about, I'm going to have one really good conversation with somebody I don't know tonight before I leave. Fantastic. You have just checked that box and you've done something that probably feels a lot more engaging and meaningful to you and will probably lead to a better relationship. 
I, I think there needs to be a genuineness to it and what you're talking about with improv. It can't be, hey, Karen, do you want to buy this widget? I got, you know, I got I got this widget to sell you. You, you want to buy this widget? That's not always be selling. I think what you're talking about with the networking and talking to people and you don't know where your next deal is going to come from. But when you engage with several people, it might catalyze a reaction that you don't understand at that moment, but it's going to come back and it could turn into a very prosperous relationship. And I've seen that happen in my own world time and time again. I, I think you nailed it. You nailed it. And, and Manoj, as I think about cybersecurity professionals, they probably don't think of themselves as salespeople usually, which is which is understandable. And as you think about where you're going in your career, you also, as you said, you need to be the person who's willing to speak up because they're looking to you to mitigate the risk. So right. every time you do take that risk, you're seen more as an expert. And although you don't consider yourself a salesperson, it's also correct to, to show up in a way to say, I have value to provide and I wanna do it in a way that will move my career forward. That is totally understandable. I feel like whenever you enter into a, a situation where you can bring value and where you can help that other person understand something or or provide them some context or awareness, it's so, so valuable. So so know that you have that, feel confidence in that and be willing to share that. So Karen, give us some tips on how do we set the culture of our teams, our companies to embrace improv? Oh my goodness. Give us some uh, ideas. All so right. how, how, how do we actually execute this? Okay, number one is the foundational principle of improv, which is yes and. Yes and. Okay. okay? So how does that work? It, do you have it, a little works. exercise in mind or something? I that... Do you have a little exercise? You wanna, you wanna do a scene with me? Sure, I would, I'm not a very good actor, but I'll give it a shot. You're gonna be fantastic. Okay, so we're gonna do it a couple times. Uh, okay. I need to know, pick pick a relationship for you and me to have, non-romantic. How do we know each other? Uh, professionally. We're prof Okay, fantastic. We're professionals. We know each other at work. At work. Okay, great. Now, pick an item, any object in the whole world that you could hold in your hand if it were here in the room. So it can't be an item that I already have. It can be... No, this is improv. No props. It can be anything. Uh, a spoon. Fantastic, you've got a spoon. Okay, so you're gonna say, here, Karen, here's a spoon, and we're gonna improvise from there. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Karen, here's a spoon. That's not a spoon. Looks like a spoon. It's not. What am I missing? I don't know. Really? Hmm. Well, all right, scene. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now, first of all, I'm going to apologize. I promise there's a reason that I was such a bad scene partner. So let me ask you, what was it like to be in that scene with me? Uh, I was a little perplexed. I was like, hmm, well, I got a spoon. In the... Okay. Yeah. Is there a... I was expecting a like some kind of an epiphany to come <laughs> Right, right. So so you were perplexed because, I mean, you offered me the spoon. You're pretty sure it was a spoon. And I said no. So then what other feelings did it give you? 
that I might be confused. It really might not be a spoon. Did I pick up something? <laughs> right. So, so you don't know where you are. You don't know what's going on. Right. Now, the reason that I do this uh, is to, to illustrate the fact that this is another little piece of psychology. Uh, we as human adults tend to respond to new ideas negatively first. It's an unconscious defense mechanism. And it also helps people understand how it feels to receive a negative response. So I think tech professionals, because I was in tech, get a really bad rap for being the people who say, no, it's not possible. No, I can't do it. No, we don't have enough budget, whatever. And, you know, understanding how it feels when you face that no, I think can give us empathy for what some of the business folks are dealing with. So you felt perplexed, you felt confused, you didn't know what to do next, right? So there are ways to say no and to enter into situations where you can be positive through the use of yes and, okay? So let's do the scene again. Okay. If I promise, if I promise to be a good partner, will you do it again? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, All right, great. You've okay. been a great partner. <laughs> All right, okay. So let's do it again. We're work professionals and you're gonna give me a spoon, okay? Yep, we'll do. Hi, Karen. How you doing? Hey. hey, I'm good. How are you? Hey, real good. Hey, check this new spoon out. It's kind of cool. Oh, it is so cool because it's a spoon on one end and a little fork on the other end. Yeah, it's oh, a sport. So cool. <laughs> what a neat invention. The guy who made this probably made a million dollars. I wish I had those kind of ideas. <laughs> Boy, I know. You know, I bet we could come up with some really cool ideas. What if there was like a little knife on one end and a little corkscrew on the other end? That then that's a party in one hand. <laughs> it, it would cut it would cut the cheese and it would open the wine bottle. Wine bottle. You're in business. Oh, do you do you want to invest in my business? Are you going to put this out there? Heck sure. I mean, if you think it's a good idea, I, I really trust your I opinion. Do think it's a good, I do think it's a good idea. And if you okay. are sincere about it, put it down on paper. Let's take a look at this thing. And see That's a great it, idea. If it has legs. Uh, okay, I'll do some competitive research and I'll come back to you next Tuesday, okay? That sounds fantastic, Karen. I look forward to it. Awesome. Can't wait. All right. Scene. All right. So, so how did it feel differently to you? Um, I thought it, well, one, it was a, a conversation that made progress and it was unexpected. It was a, it was a breath of fresh air. It was not the response that I was expecting. So that's, that's perfect. It felt refreshing. And, and let me break down what happened. So on the improv stage, when I would walk out every night, if I said, I'm the queen of the, the universe, I knew immediately the first thing that my troop would do would be to say, yes, you are. So, so when, I, when you said, here, Karen, here's a spoon, I said, yes, it's a spoon. And it's the yes and piece. I didn't just say, yeah, it's a spoon, and then make you come up with something else. I gave you a gift. I said, yeah, it's a spoon, and look, it's got a fork on the other end. So it gave you something to react to. You're like, oh, well, that's crazy, and I wonder what it could do. So you gave me a question, a, a thing to consider. I'm like, hey, I, I wonder what else it could be. So we're giving each other these gifts by saying, yes, your reality is valid, and I'm going to build on it. And in organizations and cultures that even, even if somebody brought you an idea you thought was terrible or you didn't have the money for or whatever, instead of saying, no, that's a rotten idea, which, by the way, shuts down engagement, shuts down people wanting to contribute, 
uh, makes people feel out in the cold. If you say, yeah, I hear you, that's, that's a different idea. And can you tell me some more about how that could work? Instead of you telling them, we don't have the money, I don't have the time, what if they had a really cool idea that you hadn't considered? And if you leave that door open, they could share it with you. Or if you keep saying, yeah, and tell me some more, or tell me how you think that would work, that person will eventually probably figure out, oh, you know what, we don't have the budget for that, or that might not work right now. But they have come to the know themselves rather than you shutting them down. Do you see the difference? I very much so. So yes and directly helps build resilience because now you are directly engaging. And I think one other thing that I, I just perceived while you were doing this was that it allows you to give context potentially or share your context of the situation with somebody else. And it's often the context that that makes uh, the difference. We both don't know where we're coming from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you're doing yes and, maybe that gives an opportunity to share that context of thought. You know, yes, you have a great idea, and let's see where it can go. And then now you can begin a dialogue and a conversation of, well, have you considered this? Does this make sense? Should we do this? And help guide someone to a conclusion that you want as an outcome. Yeah. Possibly. And, and and also maybe be surprised by what they and, or be about. surprised. I, I yeah. we have been many a times, you know, we've had uh, team members that have come up with fantastic ideas and we're actually building them and executing them. Awesome. Oh, and to your kids, by the way, when they come to you with like, hey, dad, we want to paint on the walls. You say, yeah, that's a crazy idea. Hey, let's come up with some more ideas. So you actually move them down the road instead of saying no, no, no all the time, which we always as parents. Which 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 I saying. am very guilty of. <laughs> with with my six year old, I am. And I'll be candid. I got a twenty four year old and a twenty one year old, and with them, it's a very different conversation, right? Sure. But, but with the with the six year old, yeah, I we got Play Doh stuck in the carpet. Like, don't <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> But it's a different. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this experiment with him. Yeah. And say, yeah, you know, yes, and maybe we do something even crazier. Why don't we take the Play-Doh outside and stick it on the driveway, maybe, and make a big smiley face on the driveway, right? Boom. So yes, and is great. Have your posture. Interrupt your thoughts. Don't when you're uh, improvising, you know, don't just react. Put it away. I, I I always think of that like uh, Abraham Lincoln was a great pack practitioner of that. When he used to get mad, he would pen a letter and then he'd throw it away into his drawer and let it sit there for a day and then come back to it the next day and say, yeah, do I really want to send this or not? You know, and <laughs> you read his stuff and, and he actually did that. That was his thing. And um, it worked really well. And what you're prescribing is exactly that, you know, interrupt your thoughts. Don't, don't react in the moment. And breathe, pause and breathe and don't breathe. hit that send button. Don't hit the send button. Just don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so breathe, get, and, and here's the thing. If you don't have a breathing technique, try, try four, seven, eight. 
If you don't like it, fine, but find yourself one. Every incredible professional, every CEO that I have coached and worked with, every major EVP, I, we work with people all over the world, I'm so fortunate to do so, has some kind of relaxation technique that they have mastered and that they use so that they can show up in the way they want to. It even is a matter of, you know, you come from a really stressful meeting and you're going to a meeting that's celebrating a win, but you're bringing all this negative energy. No, you, you got it, like you said, like, like Manoj said, you've got to interrupt, breathe, stand there for a minute, walk away from the screen, come back as the person you want to be in that moment. Thanks for being so inspiring. Do you have uh, any uh, books coming up or any talks or anything that we can link back to? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like the Improv Edge blog has got some great tips to deal with resilience, with what's going on, with how to manage day to day. So if you go to www.improvedge.com, just one in the middle, Improv edge.com. There's great tips and ideas there. We also have an entire YouTube channel, an Improv Edge YouTube channel. I would invite you. It's a lot of tons of fun. And uh, of course, we have not only the three books, but we also have the Yes deck, which is a cool deck full of ideas. You can just pull out a card. It can help you get through a meeting, gives you icebreakers, ideas how to run meetings and, and conference calls and get out of writer's block, whatever you need. So we have lots of resources. It has been such a pleasure being with Dark Rhino today. You're, you're amazing. This was so much fun. Well, Karen, we're so honored to have had you on our podcast and on our show. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege, and we hope to have you back again sometime in the near future. And we'll be joined with some of our listeners, too, and that should be a lot of fun. And we'll really Fantastic. improvise. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much. And you have a great weekend, Karen. Appreciate it.